You are listening to the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. Oh, and welcome to episode 28 of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast, the Super Bowl recap edition and college basketball bets. Um, got a lot to talk about in both those realms. Um, NFL season's over, but doesn't mean doesn't mean we get, can't still be talking about a little football, um, plus college basketball into full swing. So before we get into talking about um, what happened in the Super Bowl, let's take a look at how the college basketball picks did over the weekend. Um, now, admittedly, this was probably <laughs> one of um, probably the worst weekend betting college basketball that we've had all season. Um, you know, we, we had some some rough uh, betting on NFL weekends there um, for some of those games. But um, as far as college basketball goes, this is probably one of the worst weekends. And it, it didn't really, there was no high points. It kind of ended out on a high point. But um, Friday and Saturday definitely weren't. Starting out on Friday, end up going one and two. First game we had had Lipscomb minus one versus Stetson. Stetson ends up winning this game outright, 73-68, to so losing that one. Chase Johnson puts up 21 points for Stetson in this one. Um, Stetson just shot the ball better from three in this game, 39.3% from beyond the arc. Lipscomb only 33.3% from beyond the arc, so um, just a rough game there um, for Lipscomb all around. Next game we had Louisiana Tech versus North Texas. North Texas was four-and-a-half point favorites in this one. Another again. Um, end up losing outright. Louisiana Tech, 68. North Texas, 63. Um, Isaiah Crawford puts up a career-high 27 points for Louisiana Tech in this game. Um, and Louisiana Tech just shot the ball better, 52.8% from the field. North Texas, 46.3 from the field. So um, not a great game there. Um, and the final game we had for Friday was actually probably one of the better, more entertaining games as far as our betting goes to watch of the weekend. Um, we had Cal Baptist plus 10.5 versus New Mexico State. Um, now, Cal Baptist got out to an early lead in this one and never gave it up. Ended up winning by 10 points, 85 to 75. So we have a 20-point cushion there um, with the spread. Um, and, you know, Reed Nortich puts up 19 points for Cal Baptist in this game. And Cal Baptist did a really good job not turning the ball over. Only turned it over five possessions. New Mexico State turned it over on nine. And even though, I mean, this New Mexico State team, it's just a rough season for them all in all. You know, they've only, this was only their seventh or sixth or seventh game of the season. And I mean, they've between COVID, COVID stoppages, um, and having to play all their home games in El Paso, it's it's just not been a not been a great game, a great season for this New Mexico State team. So, um, get the win there. End up going one and two for Friday's picks. Um, now it didn't it didn't get much better on Saturday. Actually, got worse. Um, and that was you know a lot of teams that liked playing on Saturday, but we just couldn't get it going in the right direction. First game we had, um, we had Toledo minus nine versus Ball State. And Walter Dito is one of the better teams in the MAC. They actually end up losing this game outright um, by quite a bit. Ball State wins 81 to 67. Um, Jerome uh, Coleman puts up 19, for, 19 points for Ball State in this one. Um, and Toledo just really struggled to shoot the three, which is something um, that they've done pretty well this season, but just not in this game. Only 21.9% from beyond the arc. Ball State 40.5% from beyond the arc. Um, so don't quite get the win or the cover in that one for Toledo. Um, and the next game we had another team that I like this season, Drake minus 13 and a half versus Valparaiso. Um, now this, I think the betting on Drake, at least definitely betting on Drake blindly is, is, is over after their law or their fail to cover last week. Um, but you know, it's now, well, this game was two in a row. Drake ends up winning this game 80 to 77, um, but they would end up losing the game outright on Sunday, giving them their first loss of the season, um, and draw and taking them to zero and three um, against the spread in those in their last three games. Um, they did play it decently well in this game, though. Shaquan 
Um, Hemphill puts up 18 points and 12 rebounds for Drake, and Drake out-rebounded him 47-27. to um, But it really comes down to that Sunday game. Um, well, we lost this one. We end up not betting on him um, on Sunday, thankfully. But Drake is just... It's, it's weird. After the, after that COVID break, they just haven't been the same team. Granted, they've won up until now. They've been winning games, but um, they're meeting against um, um, Loyola Chicago next week. Is could be a bit of a struggle, so we'll get into a little of that later, though. Um, the next game we had on Saturday was one that looked good in the beginning. Miami, Ohio, plus 8.5 versus Buffalo. Um, now that Miami, Ohio put, kept this one really close for um, a good majority of the game, but Buffalo does pull away at the end. Um, David Schottman puts up 16 points and 11 rebounds for Buffalo. Um, Buffalo just shot the ball from three better. 44% from beyond the arc. Miami, Ohio, 27.6 from beyond the arc. So um, Buffalo gets the cover in that one. Um, next thing we had, we had Charlotte minus four versus Middle Tennessee. Another one <laughs> wasn't even close. Middle Tennessee ends up winning 73 to 60. Middle Tennessee plays what is probably their best game of the season. You know, um, only had three wins coming into this one. Um, Jordan Davis puts up 17 points for Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee also shoots the ball uh, very well from beyond the arc, 54.5 from three, um, while Charlotte 31.3 um, from beyond the arc. So um, just a all around not a great game for Charlotte um, in that game. Um, in the final game that we had on Saturday, we had Tennessee minus three and a half versus Kentucky. Now, Tennessee ends up putting um, up 82 points, winning this game 82 to 71. Um, giving us our only win of Saturday. Keon Johnson, 27 points for Tennessee, and Tennessee shot the bow pretty well from the field in this one, 47.1% um, from the field for Tennessee, Kentucky, 38.5 um, from the field. So end up going 1-4 on Saturday, probably our worst <laughs> um, college basketball Saturday of the season so far, but, you know, um, I guess it happens every once in a while. We do kind of redeem ourselves on Sunday, though. We only had one game on Sunday, UMBC, um, versus Stony Brook, UMBC minus one and a half. UMBC ends up winning this game 71 to 65. Um, RJ Edel Rock puts up 23 points for UMBC in this one. And UMBC shot the ball very well from beyond the arc, 43.5 from um, three. Stony Brook 28.6 from beyond the arc. So um, get the win there. Um, and as far as Monday's picks go, Furman minus three versus UNC Greensboro. Um, as I'm recording this, there's currently three minutes and 30 seconds left in that Furman game. Um, Furman is currently up by 18 points, so I think it's pretty safe to say that we are going to go ahead and win that Furman game. So um, the official record that takes us to um, four and six on the week for the college basketball picks, um, which isn't you know the worst in the world. It's not really not profitable, you know, losing um, two units there, but it's it, it's better than nothing. Um, so I will take that. Um, so hopefully get back on the right track moving into this week. I'm moving into the Super Bowl and taking a little bit of a look at um, those picks and whatnot. Um, we were on the Chiefs minus three. Buccaneers end up winning the game 31 to nine. Um, and this game really comes down to, you know, there's a lot of different reasons um, why you could say the Chiefs lost. But I think the biggest reason and probably the most obvious reason in this game was the Chiefs O-line was just absolutely horrible. You know, it, it, injuries all over the place. I um, mean, you know, Laurent Dupardif out or not out, opted out of the season. Um, you know, then Schwartz is out, then um, Eric Fisher's out, and they just, the the line just never looked good in this game. They struggled from the get-go. Um, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. Um, I saw it was like 490-some yards or something that he ran um, before he threw the ball um, in this game. And and you could tell, he just he was just running around trying to make something happen. Never really could. And while there were sh the refs weren't the greatest in this game, you know, there were a few missed calls 
um, for the Chiefs or on the Chiefs, however you want to say that for sure. I mean, 31 to nine, that's not, that's not exactly, you can't claim that you can't say that you lost by that much and that it was the rest fault. Um, you know, 22 points is still a lot of points in the NFL. Um, and the Bucks just played a better game in this one. The defense for the Bucks in the playoffs, um, was just absolutely amazing. You know, Todd Bowles, um, I might be a little biased here as a Cardinals fan, but Todd Bowles, one of the better D coordinators in the NFL. Um, and it's, it, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I'm sure he's going to get a new or another, Another shot at a head coaching job somewhere down the line. Um, I heard some rumors that people were, I don't know really, I mean, there weren't really rumors. Just people were saying that <laughs> potentially taking over um, the Bucks' head coaching job when um, um, Bruce decides to, to hang it up. But speaking of Bruce and Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady gets the seventh ring, says after the game um, that he will be, basically makes it official that he's not retiring, which I don't know that anyone really speculated um, that he was going to. I feel like <laughs> Tom Brady is basically going to be playing until he's carted off the field. Um, but Tom Brady, Bruce Arians will both be back for the Buccaneers next year. Um, and it seems like a team, you know, I mean, I mean, they, seem, I mean they're, they are they're up there for um, um, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl again next year. So I have to wait and see how all that shapes out for them. Um, but getting back a little to the game, um, you know, the Chiefs just really couldn't find the end zone in this one. In fact, they didn't find the end zone at all um, in this game, only putting up the three field goals. And that's the first game for Patrick Mahomes in his NFL or college career um, where he where no one, no, his team did not score a touchdown, um, which is kind of a crazy stat, especially <laughs> coming from a Cardinals fan. Um, but it's just just interesting to think. And one last point uh, before we move into some of our other prop bets here. Um, just about the game in general. Um, I do think that the taunting on Antonio Winfield Jr., while well, you definitely probably should for the, uh, as the rule stands in the NFL now, it was 100% a flag. I mean, you can't be doing that to someone else. <laughs> but I think that if the taunting is funny, that it should be allowed. Um, and in that case, it was definitely funny. <laughs> you know, doing that, I mean, Tyree Kill is not exactly someone who can, you know, play <laughs> play victim to being taunted on. I mean, he's the guy who does the deuces all the time, flipping into the end zone, jumping in the crowd, taking the camera. So I mean, <laughs> Tyreek Hill is not exactly not exactly someone who is um, against taunting in any way. So I think I think if you got something like that, granted the Super Bowl probably not <laughs> the greatest time to do it, but I think if it's funny, it should be allowed. And in that case, that taunting was pretty funny. So, um, but enough about the game. Enough about my stupid ideas for rule changes. Let's get into some of these prop bets. Our prop bets did not do. Horribly, unfortunately, some of our most of the plus money ones <laughs> ended up not cashing. Um, except for this first one here it was plus money at uh, plus one ten, so I guess technically plus money. But um, who will complain to the ref first? Um, Tom Brady or any other player? Now I did see that this prop bet. Um, I I was having. I mean, I gave it out on the last podcast. I was able to um to get that one when I was given out. Um, I I couldn't find it a whole lot of places. But if you were able to get this plus one ten, Tom Brady not to complain to the ref. I mean, this was basically. Um, a lock to begin with. They graded it as a winner. Um, don't even really know who was the first to complain. Wasn't paying enough attention, but um, get the win for that one. The next one we had was one of definitely my favorite props of the night. Um, will Bruce Angles, Bruce Aarons wear a Kingle hat on the sideline? Um, no was minus 220. Um, definitely a lot of juice on that one um, for sure, but that one was, I mean, that was probably the easiest bet I've ever made. You know, I have the five years he was the head coach in in Arizona, I never once saw him wear a Kingle hat on the sideline. Um, granted, there are pictures out there of him wearing it for the Bucks in a couple games this year, um, but didn't happen in the Super Bowl, so don't have to worry about that. Cashing that one. 
Um, the next one we had was another one that was that was pretty easy based on the house rules. You know, how many times will Roger Goodell be shown? Now, this was just in the broadcast. So, I mean, after the game in the trophy ceremony counted. So, boom, one right there. All you need is one time to be shown on TV, um, which he was, was shown sitting next to... Um, um uh, russell wilson <laughs> walter payton man of the year sitting next to him up in the booth or in the box um so cash that one roger goodell shown over one and a half times at minus 140 um the next one we had getting into a little bit more of less of the entertainment and more of some of the actual game props that we had um first one we had um team to receive the opening kickoffs we were able to get the bucks pretty early in the week at minus 115 i know that kind of went the other direction um, when some news got out of basically how how both teams were going to play, it was very unlikely that the Chiefs were going to be receiving that opening kickoff. Um, so just another easy win there. Um, now, one of my bets, um, and actually the last bet that was given out on the podcast um, last week, um, for both both quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes, to throw an incompletion on their first pass of the game. Now, this is a bet um, that I've taken every year, kind of like I was saying in um, last podcast. And Tom Brady... Oh, well, looking back on it, two years ago, Tom Brady um, threw an incompletion. It was actually an interception, but that, that prop that I bet then, um, that count, uh, the interception counted as an incompletion. Tom Brady um, did it in that Super Bowl last year. Both Pat Mahomes and Garoppolo did it, so um, got cash in that one. This season, weren't quite as lucky. Both Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes' first passes were completed. Neither of those win. Um, so that theory goes out the window a little bit, but hey, I'll be back on those props again next year. Um, and yeah, that about wraps that up for the podcast plays um, for props. Now we did end up adding um, two more props um, that were put up on um, hottipbets.com and given out on Twitter. Um, and those were first one we had Pat Mahomes anytime touchdown plus yes at plus 200. Now obviously if the Chiefs didn't find the end zone, no one found the end zone. So <laughs> that one lost, um, not even... Not even close on that one, but one that we did have that was that was definitely fun to watch and um, a little nerve wracking. A couple a couple instances of the game: Antonio Brown yards under forty two and a half at minus one fifteen. This one does end up cashing. Um, there was a late game pass that um, was overthrown to him that would have completely destroyed this. He ends up getting I think it was twenty two yards um, or something like that, right around there. So end up cashing that one and end up doing decently well on our our prop bets i think all things considered we basically were back to even for all the super bowl stuff um but hey it's it, it was fun i guess <laughs> a lot of prop bets and um, i guess we'll be back next year with those prop bets but um before we move out of the nfl um the chiefs do come out as the favorite for to win super bowl 56 at plus 550 um, I think the Packers and Buccaneers are right behind them, like plus 900. Um, Cardinals are anywhere from, I saw like plus 3,300, 3, anywhere to plus 5,000, depending um, what book you were looking at. So, um, hey, who knows? Maybe you take a long shot on the Cardinals. Um, but speaking of the Cardinals, got to get this in a little bit. Um, the Cardinals, maybe don't take the Cardinals. <laughs> Pat Pete um, does not look like he's going to be returning as the Cardinals. Um, There's a report that came out um this morning or yesterday morning when you're listening to us, it came out Thursday morning that Pat P um, and the Cardinals are going to be parting ways. So um, basically locking in the fact that the Cardinals almost certainly have to take a corner um, in the NFL draft. I mean, we already needed more protection in the cornerback position anyway. So this kind of just secures that. And one little last piece of tidbit of football news before we move in. Um, FCS football, which I'm still not quite sure if we're going to have betting lines or not coming into that. So, um, yeah, I'll have to wait and see <laughs> whether or not those are going to be up on the website, but FCS football starts this weekend. 
Um, got a couple games on, I think, Saturdays um, when some of those are kicking off. Now, some FCS teams did play in the fall, so I don't know exactly how all of it um, is working or anything. But, hey, if you want to keep watching football, you got that. You know, we had the AAF and the XFL the last two years. Um, at least we got a football that means, a, I guess, a little bit more. Actually means something anyway with FCS football. Um, so, I don't know. And I don't. I, that's another thing I didn't really know with this. I don't know how it's going to affect the draft, you know. Um, guys who, I mean, are they, I don't know when the season ends or anything, but anyway, that's going on. We'll have to wait and see um, if we get lines for that and we're able to bet on that. But that's enough for the NFL, for football. Um, let's get into what is now college basketball season, heart of college basketball season. This is the point in the year where even the, the casual fans you know who, <laughs> who weren't watching basketball in the middle of November or the middle of December or January or really ever, you know, that they, they wait until basically right about now to watch the last two or three weeks of the college basketball season, watch the conference championships, and of course watch March Madness. Um, got all those fans betting. So it actually, you know, looking back at the past two seasons um, of betting, without I've done, uh, it's kind of helped, you know, it's moved some lines, giving it a lot more public action um, on some of the bigger teams, moving lines in directions that are just stupid. You know, teams, people haven't been really paying attention coming in, betting teams like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina, um, who are all having down season. So um, it does actually give you a little bit of an edge on the other side, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, how all that shapes up this year. Um, but speaking of Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky, um, for the first time since 1960 or yeah, 1961, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA are all outside of the AP Top 25, which is absolutely insane. That just to think that those five schools, not one of them, is in the AP Top 25, it just shows you how crazy um, of a season college basketball is this year. Um, and speaking of all those, I mean Kansas, Kansas, and UCLA. Um, are are in good positions to make the tournaments, obviously. I mean, Kansas just got out of the top 25. So Kansas is not in a bad position at all. They're, I would say, most likely going to make the tournament. I would be shocked if Kansas doesn't make the tournament. I mean, UCLA also has a path to get there. Um, but Kentucky, Kentucky is a team that, Kentucky's currently on the outside of the NIT looking in. Like, in, Kentucky's not even going to make the NIT um, as it currently stands. So that'll be, that one will be interesting um, Duke is, yeah, Duke is in the NIT firmly or, you know, could fall even further if they, or if they opt out. I highly doubt Coach K is going to take a team to the NIT. I would guess they would just hop, <laughs> opt out, um, before Selection Sunday even happens. Um, in North Carolina, out of those three, it's looking the best to make the tournament. But even then, I mean, they're not good. Then I, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. So be very interesting to see how all that shapes up. But yeah, all, <laughs> all five of those schools outside of the top 25, first time since 1961, um, pretty crazy stat there. Um, and speaking of, well, good teams this year, Baylor. Um, Baylor has to postpone their next three games, to, uh, two against West Virginia and one against Texas Tech. So <laughs> strategic on Baylor's part, maybe. Um, kind of just joking there. But, you know, Baylor, Baylor and Gonzaga seem to be the two heavy favorites to be making the Final Four this year, um, which, I mean, for good reason. They're both undefeated. They're the only two um, undefeated teams in college basketball. So. Um, be interesting to see how those finish out. And speaking of the only two undefeated teams in college basketball, um, that does indeed mean that Drake lost their first game of the season to Valparaiso over the weekend on Sunday. Um, so they they lose, um, drop to, I believe, shoot, at 17-1 now? I don't know. I'm not sure what the record is. I think 17-1. Um, and they fall out of the top 25, had a quick one-week stay there in the AP Top 25. Loyola Chicago climbs into the AP Top 25, I believe ranked at number 22. Um, they're also ranked in the hot-tip bet rankings. 
Um, hint, hint. I do like Loyola Chicago. I also like Drake, but I, and my love for Drake was really just the fact that they made me a lot of <laughs> money. They're not watching them right now. They're not a good basketball team. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see. These two teams will be meeting up this weekend, I believe Saturday and Sunday or Friday. I, believe, I think it's Saturday, Sunday um, is, is when they're playing this weekend. And Drake also has a game on Wednesday, I believe. But anyway, Saturday, Sunday, Loyola Chicago, Drake. It'll be interesting to see how those games go. Loyola Chicago will obviously be the favorite in those ones. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, um, what ends up happening there. Um, and you know, the next thing we got for college basketball conference tournaments, the big 12 announced, um, um, yesterday that they will be playing their, uh, tournament in Kansas city, um, as scheduled. So it'll be interesting to see how other conferences react primarily. I mean, the big 12, um, honestly, doesn't matter. I mean, there's going to be six or seven teams from the big 12 that make the tournament so the tournament could really mean less unless i guess one of the the bad the like bottom teams makes it wins it but that that's kind of beyond the point <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see how all the other conferences do it i know uh, i can't remember what conference it was i want to say the west coast conference but i don't think that's right um we're even you know it's it's kind of how seating is going to work in their conferences you know um, is it going to be win percentage since the, but now since they're playing games, they're going to go off a ranking system. I don't, I think it was the West coast conference, but I could be wrong on that. It's actually considering using the Ken Palm rankings to determine their conference seating, which as I, while I do like the idea, um, and I, and I don't think it was really a serious idea. It, it, I, it's just probably, it's probably not the best way to do it. You know, I, Ken Palm rankings are probably the most, uh, not probably, they are the most accurate rankings. Um, as far as, you know, comparing them to the AP top 25 or something. But as far as ranking teams in a tournament, I think you almost got to do with percentage. I don't know that you could be doing it with uh, Ken Palm. Um, but a couple games before we get into picks for this for this week, a couple games, bigger games over the weekend that I want to talk about. Um, one in the Big 12, Oklahoma State taking down Texas in double overtime. Um, really, the reason I wanted to look at this game, Cade Cunningham, well, he did, you know, in that second overtime lead his team. Um, got him the win and whatnot. He didn't. He there was a couple of chances where he could have closed the game, um, both in overtime and regulation, and he just didn't. And it's something that you know it just sticks out. You know, it wouldn't stick out really if it was anyone else. But you know, when it's the number one recruit um, in the nation, it definitely sticks out. So just something there. Um, and the final little piece we got: Missouri takes down um, um, Alabama, giving them their first SEC loss of the season. I mean, Missouri is a very good basketball team. They're definitely my favorite team out of the SEC this season. So it'll be very interesting to see how high they get um, on Selection Sunday and, and what their um, their tournament ends up looking like. So that's enough for college basketball news. Let's get into some picks for this week. Starting out on Tuesday, uh, February 9th, the first game we got got an ACC matchup between Notre Dame and Duke. Notre Dame comes into this one as six and a half point underdogs. Um, Duke is actually, well, Duke's not having a very good season. Neither of these teams are having great seasons. You know, Duke comes into this one, um, seven and seven on the season, Notre Dame, seven and 10 on the season. Um, Duke, while they are, you know, they got the name recognition and whatnot. Um, they've kind of really, one of their biggest struggles of this season has been shooting the basketball, you know, only 33.5% from beyond the arc. Well, Notre Dame, uh, a sort of impressive 38.7%. I mean, Notre Dame also hitting their free throws extremely high, 76.1 from the free throw line, while Duke only 70.9. Um, and Duke only an effective field goal percentage of 52.1. Um, Notre Dame on the other hand, 54.9. I um, mean, you know, Notre Dame, well, they do got to go on the road in this one, getting that many points. 
it's hard to hard to bet against them when when their shooting stats across the board are just better than Duke's. Um, but it doesn't really stop at shooting either. Notre Dame is also doing a very good job not turning it over. Fifteen point eight, um, turning it over on fifteen point eight percent of their possessions. Duke turning it over on nineteen percent of theirs. I mean, while these both these teams do come in to the top twenty of this game in offensive efficiency, Notre Dame does get the slight edge according to that. Seventeenth in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, Duke 20th in adjusted offensive efficiency. So I like Notre Dame to cover that six and a half point spread. Um, well, getting six and a half points. I like them to <laughs> cover that one um, and get the victory there. Um, next game we got, and the second game we got four Tuesday, or uh, yeah, Tuesday's card. Got a Mac matchup between Kent State and Bowling Green. Kent State is a pick em in this game. Um, Kent State um, comes into this game as the 168th ranked team in the country, according to the Hot Tip at rankings at 10 and 5. Bowling Green 146 in the country at 10 and 8. Um, and Bowling Green has kind of struggled. You know, they just their defense has not been very good um, this season. 222nd in adjusted defensive efficiency. Kent State, on the other hand, has played pretty lights out. Night. And I mean, not the greatest in the country by any means, but 135 in adjusted defensive efficiency, playing very well. They've also played good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, 85th in adjusted offensive efficiency, while Bowling Green 97th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, that's really backed up by Kent State stats, um, which one of them, the one that sticks out the most to me, is their offensive rebounding. 35.6% um, offensive rebounding for Kent State. Bowling Green only 29.1%. I mean, Kent State just shooting the ball better. 35% um, from three, 76.4% from the free throw line, and a 52.5 effective field goal percentage. Bowling Green, on the other hand, 32.3 from three, 74.7 from the free throw line, and an effective field goal percentage of 48.1. So um, get, I like Kent State in this one to um, win the game. So taking Kent State, pick them for uh, the final game on Tuesday's card. Moving on to Wednesday, February 10th. First game we got, got a SoCon matchup between East Tennessee and um, in the Citadel. Now, East Tennessee comes into this game as the slightly better team, you know, 11 and 7 on the season, the Citadel 10 and 7 on the season. And while a lot of those Citadel games um, came in non-conference, you know, playing D2 schools um, and whatnot, they have not been a terrible team. Um, and, and when they're getting points, they've, they've actually done a decent job covering this spread. You know, Citadel comes into this game doing a very good job not turning the ball over, only turning it over on 17.1% of their possessions. ETSU, on the other hand, turning over on 21.3% of theirs. Um, and while this, these teams are pretty evenly matched on offense, you know, East Tennessee 115 adjusted offense efficiency, the Citadel 152. Uh, Citadel has shot slightly better, 36.5 from three. Um, East Tennessee a slightly worse, 35.4 from beyond the arc. Um, Citadel 40 or 70.4% from the free throw line. Um, ETSU 68.2, and this Citadel slightly better effective field goal percentage 53.9 compared to ETSU 51.2. Um, you know, I've watched quite a bit of SoCon action. I mean, I watched a ton last year, but I've watched quite a bit this year. Um, and while East Tennessee is, is a good basketball team, I think the Citadel, giving them this many points um, in this game, they will they will find a way to keep it close and, um, and be able to cover that spread. So, like the Citadel in that one. Second game we got for Wednesday. We got a SEC matchup, LSU taking on Mississippi State. Um, LSU, you know, I was kind of not a huge fan of LSU at the beginning of the season. I'm still not a giant fan of LSU, um, but they have played decently well. 11 and 6 on the season, Mississippi State 11 and 9 on the season. Um, and one thing that they've done, um, this LSU team has done very well, is shooting the basketball 75.9 from free throw with an effective field goal percentage of 52.5. Mississippi State, 64.2 from the free throw line, 49.9 effective field goal percentage. 
Uh, and this LSU team, one of the better offenses in the country, top 10 offense in the country, eighth in adjusted offensive efficiency. Mississippi State, not quite as good, not nearly as good. That is, you know, 82nd in adjusted offensive efficiency. And while this LSU defense um, doesn't quite stand up, they do make up for it, um, you know, by valuing their possessions um, very well. Um, always turning it over on 17.3% of their possessions um, and an offensive rebounding percentage of 36.9 for LSU. Mississippi State, on the other hand, turning it over on 21.2% of their possessions um, with an offensive rebound percentage of 31.1. Um, so I like LSU. I think their offense is um, powerful enough to keep this game a very get to get a, score a lot of points in this game um, and edge get the edge over Mississippi State. So like LSU to cover the spread in that one. Um, and the final game we got for Wednesday's card, we got an A-10 showdown between St. Louis and Rhode Island. St. Louis comes into this game um, at, as the 27th ranked team in the hot to bet rankings. Rhode Island, the 94th ranked team. Um, Rhode Island, 9-11 on the season. St. Louis, 8-3. And, um, and St. Louis, this is probably one of my favorite games of the entire week. St. Louis has shot the ball very well. 37.9 from beyond the arc. Rhode Island, 31.5. Um, St. Louis has also done a very good job, or, um, also from the field, very good job. 51.1 effective field goal percentage, Rhode Island, 49.8 effective field goal percentage. Um, but it doesn't really stop there for St. Louis. They got, just got a very good offense in general, you know, 48th in adjusted offensive efficiency, Rhode Island, 119. This is really backed up by St. Louis's ability, um, to not turn the ball over, you know, pulling down rebounds, getting every chance they can, you know, only turning it over on 17.6% of their possessions, Rhode Island, 21.1. Um, and pulling down rebounds, 34.6 off the offensive glass, Rhode Island 29.7. So um, St. Louis definitely um, the better team in this one, and I like them um, to cover the spread um, and win that one. So um, that is the final play for Wednesday's card. And finally, moving on to Thursday. First game we got, we got Colorado taking on Stanford. Um, now, Colorado's been a team that I've really loved watching this year. They come into this game as the 31st-ranked team in the hot-to-bet rankings. Stanford, 34. So, very um, similarly matched teams according to the rankings. Colorado, 14-5 um, and five on the season. Stanford, 11-7. and seven. Um, But Colorado has done a very, very good job shooting the ball. 37.9 from three, 83.7 from the field, or from the free-throw line. Um, an effective field goal percentage of 53%. Stanford, 31.1 from three. Um, 72.8 from the free throw line and effective field goal percentage of 51.6%. Colorado also just a very good offensive team. 10th in adjusted offensive efficiency while Stanford 87th. Um, and the shows in the stats for Colorado doing a great job um, not turning the ball over, getting the most out of their possessions, only turning over on 16.1% of their possessions while Stanford turned it over on 21.2% of theirs. Um, Colorado also just pulling down a lot of offensive um, um, boards 30.2% off the offensive glass, while Stanford 27.6%. Um, so, like Colorado to cover the spread and get the win in that one. Um, the next game we got for Thursday, got Troy taking on South Alabama. Um, South Alabama comes into this one at the 224th ranked team, Troy 301. Um, and South Alabama has shot the ball very, very well, 374 from three with an effective field percentage of 52.5. Troy, 27.6 from three with an effective field goal percentage of 43.6. Um, but what kind of sticks out the most about the South Alabama team is just how efficient they've been on offense. 134 in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, Troy, 325 in adjusted offensive efficiency. And South Alabama just doing a good job with that. You know, only turning it over on 19% of their possessions, while Troy turning it over on 21.7% of theirs. Um, in South Alabama, 26.9 offensive rebounding percentage compared to Troy, um, 28.3. 
actually flipped that, but <laughs> you get the picture. South Alabama, um, the better team in this one. So like them to cover that spread um, and get the win there. And the final game for Thursday, got Cincinnati taking on Memphis. Now, Memphis comes into this game with one of the best defenses in the country, fourth in adjusted defensive efficiency, and it really just shows um, with how good they've been playing, you know, 11-6 and on the season. Cincinnati, not quite as good, 56th in adjusted defensive efficiency, um, and 5-7 and on the season. But it's not only that for this Memphis team. This Memphis team has also played very good on offense, you know, they back that up with some of their shooting stats here. You know, while they do come into this game as the 143rd in adjusted offensive efficiency, while Cincinnati slightly better 133, um, they have shot the ball better um, for Memphis. 35.7 beyond the arc for Memphis, while Cincinnati only 29%. Um, Memphis also 56, 50.6 effective field goal percentage, um, while Cincinnati at 47.8 effective field goal percentage. Um, and and uh, uh, well, I lost my train of thought. And Memphis um, also rebounded the ball better, 33.6%. Um, off the offensive glass, well, uh, Cincinnati 29.2. So, like Cincinnati, no, sorry, like Memphis, <laughs> to um, get the cover and win that game to close out Thursday's card. Um, so, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Hot Pip Tip Best Podcast. If you haven't already checked out the website, make sure you head over there. Um, got horse racing picks up on the website, um, college basketball picks um, every day, NBA picks, NHL picks. Um, all of that up there, you know, out of football season, but FCS is coming up. So make sure you're looking out if we get any of that up there. Um, also take a look at all the rankings up on the website. Currently got rankings for college basketball, the NBA and the NHL. Um, as new seasons start, like the MLB studies and starting here in a few months, um, we'll get all that back up there. Um, and as always on the website, take a look at the results. All the results for the podcast and for the computer picks um, are always posted up there. Um, and there is a pretty big announcement coming to the website here in a few weeks. So make sure you're um, following Hot Tip Bets on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube to see that. Also, make sure you're following me at Hot Tip Bets Chris on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so you see all of my updates, see all of my changes if we have any to the card um, and whatnot. So that about wraps it up for episode 28 of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. And I'll see you all on Friday.